everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Next Level People. We've got Rena and myself on. Obviously, I'm here. But we've also got Justin Blackman, who is awesome. If you're watching this, you can see behind him, he's got an amazing Super Grover picture or portrait. I don't know what to call A painting, I guess? Uh, in the painting. background, it's a painting, a bunch of Star Wars figurines. That was the very first thing that I noticed because I am a Star Wars nerd uh, and absolutely love what he's got in the background. But that's not why we're talking to him. He is, uh, according to himself, probably the best copywriter in his entire household. Uh, so, I mean, that right there. Uh, but he's done some amazing things. He's worked for some amazing companies, uh, Five Hour Energy, Red Bull, IGH or IHG which IHG. there we go IHG I knew it was it was close but he's done some amazing stuff and it's really all about brand how to brand yourself how to find your brand voice how to continue that into email and writing and everything like that I'm gonna let him continue to introduce himself a little bit more uh but first of all I mean Justin thank you for I mean I know that you're the best copywriter in your house so I thank you for making time <laughs> probably Probably, probably, possibly, yeah, yeah, exactly. We talked about it beforehand. Uh, he's got competition with his seven and eight-year-old kids, uh, so we'll see. But Justin, I really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And just like kind of a quick 60-second uh, elevator pitch type thing. Who are you? What What are you up to? And uh, why Why are you excited about what you do? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Justin Blackman. And uh, my history is I spent two decades marketing big name brands like Red Bull and Puma and Five Hour Energy. Um, and I learned the power of a good voice. And it made me hate the boring, drab, sort of self-centered emails and the websites that are just really litter the internet. Um, so what I did is I analyzed a lot of the good ones. And I was also, I've always been fascinated with um, with comedians and the way that they are able to tell stories in quick hits and just have this formula that works. So what I did is I sort of analyzed everything that works for them and uh, and I sort of cannonballed into copywriting by combining those quick hit storytelling techniques with with brand story. And now I help B2C businesses uh, craft messages that make you whip out your wallet and like them. That is awesome. Uh so you mentioned comedian, and immediately when you said email and comedian, I thought of James Veach. Have you seen his? Yes. Yes. What this is, I think it's called This Is What Happens uh, When You Reply to Spam Email or something like that. Yep. It's incredible. It is so yeah. funny. If, you ha if you're listening to this, you know what? Just pause it. Go watch James Veach. I think it's probably like a maybe five, ten-minute video or something like that, and then come back to this. It's worth the laugh it's hilarious yeah uh, and it's not just a video it's a ted talk it was a ted talk it was a ted talk he's done two ted talks oh my gosh that's i mean hilarious. that just shows you actually if you look at like the five or six top ted talks uh of all time the most popular ones most viewed they have the same comedic timing as the movie airplane oh. uh, same laugh per minute yeah they are the funniest things and they're memorable and they all have a message but that actually just goes to that. That plays into the point that the that people listen to funny. It makes you stand out. It makes you resonate. And it's actually proven that the highest point of listening comes after a laugh. You will pay attention to whatever the person is going to say next. Awesome. So again, I go go watch James Veach and then come back and listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. I connected with you, did I make you laugh? Sure. Yeah. Anytime so somebody. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> of course he did. 
Yeah. Awesome. So then you wanted to be on my podcast. You're like, yep. all right, this yeah, is going to be fun. Yep. Yeah. Anytime somebody it. does a video call with me, whether I'm telling a joke or not, they just laugh. I think it's maybe my looks. I'm not 100% sure. They just laugh. Maybe it's out of pity. Who knows? But one of the things I wanted to kind of – I mean, first, let me, let me go in order of what I want to know. Mm-hmm. The whole – I just was talking to you about this before we hit record – uh, I love your headline on LinkedIn. I, I said, uh, it says probably the best copywriter in his house, uh, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. You talk about comedy right there. <laughs> and then at the end, I was talking to my coworkers today. I was reading your summary out loud to them today. Uh, the very bottom says pretty fly for a right guy. I love <laughs> that line. It's so good. But I think you said that there's a little bit of a story behind that. I, w- I would love to hear what that story is. Yeah, sure. Um, it actually goes back to the time when I was seven. So I'll walk you through it day by day up until now. Yeah. We got Perfect. time, right? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> so growing up, my favorite author was Shel Silverstein. Okay. And he's got a poem, Where the Sidewalk Ends, The Light in the Attic. Those are my two favorite books. And, you know, mad props to Roald Dahl and Dr. Seuss and uh, Maurice Sendax. But Michelle was my guy. Um He's got a poem called The Hippo's Hope, and it's about a hippo who sews a pair of wooden wings, and he walks up to the top of a mountain, and it then becomes a choose-your-own-adventure story, where one, he flies, um, one, he falls and breaks all his bones, and one, he turns around and goes home and has cookies and tea. (laughs) And um, I've always loved that poem. I've actually got the picture of it tattooed on my left shoulder. Wow. And um, so I've always had a flight theme um, with any business that I've started. And the first one I did failed and it fell. That was that's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm OK with that. It was called Time to Fly and it fell. Uh, <laughs> so um, I learned a lot. And then when I was going to think about launching my second business really strictly for copywriting, I knew that I wanted a fly theme. And I was actually in a conference in Nashville and there was some, you know, I talked about self-centered drab emails. That's what the speaker was. And I was just doodling in a book and I had the word fly written down and I came up with that. I started singing in my head, pretty fly for a white guy. And then I just wrote, I remember scribbling down. I still have a notebook. It says all the people say I'm pretty fly for a right guy. And as soon as I wrote that, I just drew a quick logo immediately underneath saying pretty fly copywriting. And that's how I named my business. Ooh, that's yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah, because you can't hear that line and not start singing Offspring. Like it works. Like you have to do that. It's uh, it's yeah. just the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, I... So one of the things that you, you touched on right in the uh, beginning when you were kind of going over your elevator pitch thing was that you like to look at a lot of people's stuff. You like to really dive into that. And that's I geek out about that stuff. Sometimes I'll stay up late at night just – looking at other people's content to see what's where even the people that like confuse the hell out of me like why do you have a following what do you (laughs) this doesn't make like i would never engage with your content why is this working um just because i geek out about it but i'd love to hear kind of that process of what what did you look at and what did you find out and what works as far as creating your brand voice yeah. Um, so the fact is, if you look at anyone across the gamut, they're usually saying the same thing, um, especially like on LinkedIn right now. It's all Ugh. some version of Gary Vee or Tony Robbins. Yes. It's all hustle, Ugh. hustle, hustle. All of it. 
Yeah. You no, I mean, Google the word hustle, you're going to get 10 million search results like from today. Wow. Um, I just made up that number. That's not real. <laughs> it's a stat. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Ask Gary V. Right now. Ask Gary V. There you go. <laughs> um, but everybody has a, a story about their hustle. It's just the way that you tell it. Everyone's got a struggle story. Everyone wants to hear what that is. Um, and it is all about working harder and, um, you know, just putting in the time. But, you know, Mark Cuban will have the same thing. Like, you got to work. Like, there's, if you go to bed, just think that there's already somebody else that's staying up later trying to get your spot because you're asleep. Um, they're all telling the same story. It's what's resonating is their experience and their version of it and just the way that they're talking about it. Um, and it's their presentation. Uh, Gary Vee is just loud and brash and in your face with it. Um, and that, that's what made him popular. And I will, I know just as many people that hate Gary Vee as love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all know him because he's has that, that, that quick hit loud Jersey boy, just go, go, go. Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of a rags to riches story and everyone loves the underdog. So that's really what resonates is the personal story behind it. And you know, it's, um, people don't like overnight successes. They, there's a little bit of animosity against an overnight success, but what people do like is finding out that it, you know, took 10 years for that overnight success to happen. That's what makes people care about them. Like, all right, you did the work and Ultimately, I think that's what resonates people is their their story. Uh, I mean, watch any episode of Shark Tank. Um, you hear when the music changes and the person starts to cry when they get into it. That's when all of the sharks buy into it. They're like, okay, you did the work. Whenever you get someone in there, it's be like, oh, I just tried this and I sold a million dollars. The sharks usually don't buy it. Uh, or like, it's, yeah. bad. It's, it's very true. American Idol, too. Yeah. Like, you want the people that, you know have the sob story. Yep. And even think about it, like Kelly Clarkson still one of the top ones and people like her because she was so down to earth and she, she's still super likable. Yeah. And that's what makes them likable is because they have a story behind it. Um, you look at the later people and you know, some of the, the kids that win, they never hear from them again because no one cares. They don't care about the story behind it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kelly Clarkson's cool story is that she won the first American Idol. And, you know, that, that, that's it. You were there with her. You saw the journey. Um, you know, I think that's what makes them real. Yeah. So. I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so true. Cause that's one of the things that bothers me about LinkedIn right now is literally everybody's saying the same thing. And it bothers me because I know that I'm pretty much saying the same thing a different way. And so I've been trying to figure out, okay, if I don't want to be like everybody else, what do I do? Be you. I okay, yeah, but that's that's the funny thing is like everybody says, oh, you just got to be you. You got to be authentic, and that even bothers me. I don't know why <laughs> cliches just bother me a lot, and I, I think it's something that I've always come up against. Like where I, I was a punk for a while, I was like I was all sorts of different styles all throughout my childhood. Uh, I was punk. I was a jock. I like also like things that completely contradicted each other, but because. I notice, oh, everybody's doing this. I got to do something else. And that's one of the things with branding that's hard for me because I'll start doing something mm-hmm. and I won't always be the first person to do it. I'm not saying I'm always a trendsetter or have ever been, but 
I'll start saying something and start doing something. And then I'll start noticing that a lot of other people are doing the exact same thing. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and it really bothers me. And so uh, it's for me, the process of my brand voice has been to fight that and be like, no, you still have something to say. You still have a story that's different than everybody else. You have a little bit different perspective than a lot of other people. Uh, and also, I believe my heart behind it is different than almost anybody's. Uh, there's a lot of people that are really great. That's why Rena's partnering. I, I believe that our heart is aligned in that and Sean as well. And there's a lot of other people that are great as well, but, uh, it's the whole idea of, for me, at least I really struggle when I see a bunch of people doing the saying like lemmings, basically, I don't want to fall <laughs> off that cliff. I don't want to jump off that cliff. You guys are idiots. And that that's not true. That's just my, that's how I view things sometimes. Yeah. So how do you, how do you go about uh, yeah, you've got a little bit of a different story, but how do you show that so that you're, you're kind of saying the same thing, but it's noticeably different than the other 100 million people on LinkedIn? Well, I'm actually going to challenge you a little bit when you say that you were the first that you were the originator on certain things and then you saw yeah. other people do it. Uh, I'm going to say that it was more like, let's say you bought a new car and you got a Subaru Outback mm -hmm. and then you start looking around the road and there's Subaru Outbacks everywhere. Yeah. They've always been there. You're just noticing them more now. I, see, that's, that's the other rare. thing too. And I, I, I don't think that I'm a trendsetter in almost any of the things that I've done, but there's, I, I think that's true where it could be, I just notice it more now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, but how, okay. So back to the original question though, uh, of how, if I have a similar lesson or similar, mm -hmm. if I'm, if my thing is like, you've got to hustle, You've got to do this. You've, you've, you know, you've got to eat the, what, what was it Mark Cuban used to eat? I think it was just ketchup sandwiches. Oh, the ketchup sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to eat ketchup sandwiches and don't sleep ever and you'll be fine. You'll be able to buy the Mavs someday. Uh, how do I say that differently? Like, cause that's, that's, that's important. The, the fact is you tell your story. You, you say that you were tired of telling the same story that everybody else is. So you tried all these things to be different and here's how it created you today. You tried being a jock. You tried being a punk. You tried all these things. You are now a uh, a whole conglomeration of all of those things. Mm. You're not one of them. You are all of them. You're now you, and you're the only one that has been through all of those unique experiences, and some element of each of those has affected you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're a punk, um, then became a jock then you probably listen to different music than than a lot of the other people and those lyrics will will uh, the your warm-up music and whatever you're going to do will be different you're going to be in a different headspace than everyone else in the game because of the things that you like and it will affect you in a different way mm. uh, when you get out there to perform yeah and then whether you win or lose the way that that's going to affect you is going to be different because of something that happened in your childhood and yeah. the way that what it's going to mean to you, um, how hard it's going to hit you. Um, there's going to be certain certain things that just shape your whole childhood that you need to talk about. Um, that's what makes everything what makes everyone different. It's yeah. it's just finding your unique hook. The interesting piece as you were talking about that, and I think a lot of people, at least a lot of people that I've spoken to that have started creating stuff on LinkedIn. Uh, when I first started, I was emulating, I think, it, do you know who Grant Cardone is? Yeah. 
yeah, I was emulating Grant Cardone, but I'm not Grant Cardone. And so like maybe like six months into me trying to be Grant Cardone, I was like, this is such BS. <laughs> I am not Grant Cardone. Why am I telling people like all these things that I don't even believe? Like this isn't even me. And I think a lot of people, they start off emulating. They're, they're like the Gary Wannavies. They're the yeah. uh, like all, they're, they want to be Tony Robbins. I was at, uh, do you know who Eric Thomas is? E.T. the hip hop preacher? That sounds familiar. I didn't okay. know the name, but I've heard of E.T., the hip-hop preacher. Yeah. Okay, so Eric I haven't Thomas, seen it, but I've heard of it. Super awesome guy. Great story. Uh, he was homeless, and then he got the same same kind of th- story that we're talking about with Mark Cuban, like all these other people. Um, but I remember I was at one of his conferences. Somebody bought me a ticket, and um, there it was like the Q&A time. And this guy grabbed the mic, jumped up on stage, and basically gave like a five – or I don't even know how long it was. It was just like an awkward amount of time of him trying to prove that he's a motivational speaker and going to be a motivational speaker. And one of the guys was like, bro, calm down. Like this isn't <laughs> even you. I can tell it's not you. And that's – I think that's where a lot of people, at least myself – I'll just talk about myself because I don't know everybody, but I have talked to other people that have felt this, where they start emulating, they get the starry eyes, and they think, I have to be a Grant Cardone. I have to be a Gary Vee. I have to be an E.T. the hip-hop preacher. I have to be Mark Cuban. Um, and so my question is, how how do you find your authentic voice? Is it just trying and figuring out – what your voice isn't or is there a faster way to figure out what your voice is um it's a little bit of both um there there are ways to create a voice by taking something outside of your industry and putting it in um going back to the punk thing um let's say uh, uh, joey ramones the first guy i think of yeah (laughs) um so let's say that you wanted to become be a motivational speaker Imagine Joey Ramone as a motivational speaker. No one has done that. Yeah. That could be your authentic that voice. Um, or let's say you try that and then it doesn't quite work, but there's a certain element of it that does. You then take that and then you know let's let's go back to the athlete and let's uh, what sport? Give me an athlete that you used to used to like. Uh, let's just go with Favre, Brett Favre. Sure. And now, now you try to be Brett Favre on stage. That doesn't work. But somewhere along the line, <laughs> you become Joey Ramone Favre. Uh, yeah. Brett Ramone, Joey Favre. And yeah. <laughs> that, that can become your stage persona. And the fact is, no one's going to know that because they're not looking at the same elements as you. If you try to be Gary Vee in Gary Vee's market, it's not going to work. Right. But if you try to be Gary Vee in the punk world, it could work. You try to be Gary Vee in the sports world or, you know, let's say you're you're selling spatulas and that, that's your job. You try to be Gary Vee selling spatulas, you're probably going to be the only Gary Vee selling spatulas. It's going to work there. Yeah. You yeah. just can't copy someone in the same field. Otherwise, you're just twinning them and it's it, it's not – you're going to be called out. Yeah. No, it's Who have you tried to be? Me? Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I try to be Dr. Seuss for a little bit. Um, and, you know, then I try to be Shel Silverstein and I try to work that in way too hard. And it was obvious and the stuff just didn't make sense at all. Um, but I've, I've stopped doing that. But now I actually do write with a cadence and a rhythm that, you know, I'll read some of my my work and I'll be looking at it afterwards as in the editing phase. I'm like, Oh, this is one fish, two fish. And 
you know, it's the influence that it's had on me that's now subconsciously I'm doing yeah. without even thinking about it. It works its way in and it grains its way in. But, you know, if I would go out of my way to make a reference to, uh, you know, the, the silly story, it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Now I just find that I'm writing it. And then sometimes I'll write in parentheses, you know, like I'll, I'll write, I'll make an allusion to the reference to kind of let people know that I'm in on the joke. And it also rewards people that do get it. Um, you're like, oh, I thought it was that. You yeah. Know, and then <laughs> it, makes them, it makes them like you more. Like, yeah, all right, this guy's got the same thing. And honestly, it's the same thing with those pictures and those, those toys behind me. You look at that and now you associate those things with me. Mm-hmm. You're making a reference to things that you already like and you see that I like them and now you like me. Mm-hmm. It's the way that you can build yourself just by making allusions and references to two different um, things that have influenced your personality. That's awesome. Rena, I got to know, what uh, What about you? Who have you tried to be? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard question. I mean, that brings me, I think, back to LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, because I have followed so many people's stories on there. And like you, I become fascinated with what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by that. So even how you and I met, Greg, was for our shared love of Michaela Alexis. Yep. And so I have to say, I, I tried some of her techniques, but I'm not Michaela Alexis. Right. So, you know, it's only going to work for her. Mm-hmm. And okay, you know what else it reminds me of? When I worked at Jerry Springer, the bread and butter of that show is cheating stories. It's yeah. love triangles. Now, you can have one guest who is crazy and ready to tear their clothes off and call themselves every name in the book, but then you can have somebody who's shy and awkward and has a fifth grade education and is sleeping with their brother, and you can't make them both tell the story in the same way. I tried to do that because I had knocked one show out of the park with this crazy chick. (laughs) So then I was like, hey, you're not crazy enough, but she was weird. So if I would have gone with weird, and just let her tell her story in her shy, awkward, weird way, the story would have gone so much better. But I tried to make her the other one, and then it was terrible. Oh, my God, it was awful. I wanted her to take her clothes off and go after the crowd. (laughs) The whole whole story would have played out so much better if I would have just embraced her weirdness and, like, encouraged her to be weird. And I Mm. realized that later on in producing, because then I got to see that people tell their stories in unique ways and then other people relate to it because yeah. they're weird or they're crazy or it, not everybody's going to relate to it in the same way. And it's better if you just embrace who they really are and get them to tell it in their way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you, you mentioned that because, I mean, it comes back to, like you said, literally just being who you are instead of trying to force yourself to be somebody that you're not like you tried to force the the weird girl to be a like, stripping off her clothes or whatever and that's just not who she is she's gonna sleep with her brother but she won't take off her clothes weird yeah. uh, but, no i mean like You're taking a strange turn this yeah reel it back in reel it back in um so i think i think there's a lot to this conversation that we we've gone through of just literally it's okay to compile all the different influences into what your style is. And like I've experimented a ton with different types of content on LinkedIn. Uh, and 
I'm still experimenting with it. It's still like, it's a lot of fun figuring out what works, what doesn't. Um, but I think like what, what you said, Justin, about just being able to compile like the, the Joey Ramon and the Brett Favre together. And then that's you. That's okay. Um, and doing it in your own space, that's huge. So So there's, there's something on my desk right there. Yeah. A stormtrooper (laughs) helmet that I painted as Iron Man. It's just two influences that I, that I put together and it just kind of always reminds me to be a little bit different with things. And, you know, it's just a way of combining your likes and and making it work. That is awesome. That is awesome. I feel like probably not going to be as effective for anyone that listens to it on the podcast, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but it is there. So I feel like you and my buddy, Ed Nathanson would be such good friends. Cause like we, me and Ed, Ed Nathanson was actually, uh, probably, I think the first person that got me to think, Oh, I could actually, I could actually start making content because his style was similar to the style that I wanted to be where he's, he was completely owning his geekery of star Wars and movie quotes and like all this stuff. And he's, he's speaking at LinkedIn and doing all these things. He's doing a bunch of cool stuff, but he's like legitimately just being exactly who he is. And that was after, after the fact, I think probably a year after I was trying to do that Grant Cardone stuff where I was like, I have to be Grant Cardone. If I want to succeed, I I have to write like him. I have to do these things. Uh, And then I see this guy and he's like, no, it's it's cool to be okay with you know liking Star Wars, openly, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, but even to play on that, think about the success of Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nice. great story, yeah. amazing book, good movie, okay movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the reason why everyone loved it, it's because of all the characters in it. You don't, you actually almost care less about the main character as you do about all the stuff. In the background, mm-hmm. um, all the the you know the the Iron Giant, the um, the Back to the Future, all of these things that are like oh references. You're then associating your love of everything in the background with the story itself, and that's why so many guys, uh, you know, women too, but I know primarily guys that adore that 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 book and that story. Um, and even the, the the audio version of it is read by Will Wheaton from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. So you've got every single geek reference you could possibly have <laughs> shoved into that book, and and it resonates with people. Yeah. And now I'm not saying that you should try to do that with any single piece of content, but if you take one element of it, um, you know, I got a friend that just wrote a, did a presentation about five different personality types, and he based it on the characters in the Goonies. And That's awesome. It was amazing. That's and I can fun. tell you what they were because I remember it because mm-hmm. I love the characters right. in the Goonies. I remember it. It made me smile and it gave me a, a just a, a reference point that made perfect sense. And that's you're not trying to create something that people will care about. You're talking about something in a way that people will care that, that already care about an element mm-hmm. of it. You're just bringing that to the forefront. They already yeah. care. You're just showing them how. Yeah. No, that's an interesting point because uh, are you familiar with who Alan Gannett is? Have you seen him floating around on LinkedIn at all? Yes. Um, okay. He's, uh, what's his company? Um, Maven. Or Track Maven. Yes, Track Maven. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I was, uh, with IHG, we used it. Okay. And I saw him speak at Content Marketing World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So uh, when I was talking to him about his recent book, 
uh, creative curve. Um, he was talking about one of the things that just the science behind it. And again, I geek out about the science behind why people do stuff. Uh, but people from generations and generations before us have always wanted something that's familiar. And so if you want to stand out, you need to be different, but not too different. You need to have that element of familiarity to mm -hmm. it in order for people to think that you're like super innovative. Like it can't be way crazy. Like when hunter gatherers, they like find this berry that is yeah. so wildly different. They're like, yeah, that's probably going to kill me. So they don't do it. They don't try it. Mm -hmm. But there's this blueberry looking thing that's like, I that looks just like a blueberry. I bet you I could try that. I'm going to try yeah. one of those. And as long as I don't die, maybe I just added another berry to the to the pile kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. It sounds very similar to what you were just talking about, where it's like you got you to gotta add the familiar in there with your own spin to it. And that's what exactly. makes you stand out. Yep. Yeah, it's just about finding that hook, just finding something that people already relate to. And, um, yeah, it, you can make it funny. You can make it genuine. It just, it all depends on what story you want to tell, but the easiest way to get someone's attention is to talk about something that they already care about yeah. or a character they already care about. Have you ever written a parody? Um, have I written a parody? Uh, like change the words to a song? Yes. Um, wow. Yeah. I used to do that a lot growing up. Yeah, wow. Total flashbacks to me and my cousin writing <laughs> new versions of Weird Al songs. New yeah. versions of Weird wow. Al songs. That's <laughs> well, we were basically stealing Weird Al's versions and making them a little bit funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I actually just wrote an email about this to my list like two weeks ago um, about Weezer's cover of Africa. Oh, my gosh. And okay, hold on. Before you go too deep into it, uh-huh original toto or weezer which one is better it's the same thing <laughs> thank you it's the that's, same th it's the same thing but, but which one do you like better which, like the, the original thank you if weezer's gonna yes. cover it i want it to sound like weezer yes i don't want it to sound like weezer singing toto yes and they had weird al in that all right um, adam posner you need to listen the, to this um, Justin Blackman just <laughs> voted. We're having this argument with a guy named Adam Posner on a recent episode. Yeah, Toto I is so much this, better. I, I, I tweeted out a couple weeks ago, um, unpopular opinion, Weezer's version of Africa is completely pointless. If you're going to copy an original, don't make it sound like the original. Yeah. Make it sound like you. Yeah. And I had so many people like commenting like, yes, um, someone... Uh, <laughs> Joanna Weeb, who is the head of Copy Hackers, is like, yes, it's like taking a picture of a photograph, uh, taking a uh, a picture of a painting. Mm -hmm. um, it, it just, I want to hear their version of it. Um, I, I want to hear, and the same thing with writing. I want to hear your spin on it. Why, why are you doing this? If you are just going to regurgitate the exact same thing in the exact same tone and cadence and literally identical, there's no point. Mm -hmm. Just... Play the original song. Uh, there was just the Weezer's version is completely pointless. It's not bad. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not horrible. Cute, but there's it's pointless. Mm -hmm. There was no reason to record it. And Weird Al does the um, uh, I don't even know what instrument it is that <laughs> he's trying to make it, but he's playing the xylophone. You wouldn't know that it's Weird Al unless you watch the video. 
Because it sounds like Toto. I didn't know that. Yeah, they even made Weird Al sound like Toto, and it's a complete waste. Huh. That is, I didn't know that Weird Al was in there. That's pretty funny. Right, and if Weird Al's going to be in the song, you should know that that's Weird Al. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just a waste. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this. So we uh, let's just assume that. Uh, the listeners by now have figured out what their actual voice is or combination to, you know, the recipe that makes their voice. They've got their brand voice. They're speaking their brand voice. I want to dive into the whole email side of things because, and and even if you want to take it to LinkedIn, a lot of our listeners are are avid LinkedIn fans, which is fine. Mm -hmm. That's good. Uh, How do you grab people's attention? Because like literally with emails, you've got the subject line. For me, at least, like you've got the subject line to catch my attention or otherwise it's just going to spam if I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, if I do know where it's coming from and I open it, you've got like the first couple sentences, maybe. Yeah. Uh, because like I sign up for stuff and then like six months later, I'm like, why did I, why did I subscribe to this? Yeah. Like, everybody does that. <laughs> so everybody does. How do yeah. you, how do you keep people clicking and then going to the website and buying if that's what you're, you're doing if you're b2c if you're e-commerce yeah how do you get people to click uh and actually swipe that credit card or what do you have to do sure um well there's a lot in that sentence so you You have to answer all of it (laughs) all of it go um the easiest trick with emails and it can do the same thing with blog posts is write it out and then immediately take like the first five or six lines that you wrote Delete it. It's yes. called the warm-up copy. Yeah, that's where you lose people. It's like, oh, hey, how you doing? I'm doing this, that, and that. And then let me tell you what happened. No, no, no. Cut out all that stuff. Like, let's say you go shopping and you know you're you're buying fruits and vegetables, and oh, orange juice is on sale. <laughs> and you know, then someone steals your purse, and yeah. that's when the stuff gets on. Cut out all that stuff about you went to the grocery store and you were and bananas or orange juice was on sale. Just get First line, somebody stole my purse. You're dropping people right into the action. And I want to know, like, whoa, wait, what what happened? Um, What happens next? What happened before? Back up. Give me the whole story. Mm -hmm. You want to engage people right away. Get rid of all that warm-up fluff. Um, It's important to you, but your reader doesn't want to hear it. The fact is, nobody likes to read boring emails. And you don't like to read them. And it's not fair to make your reader read them. Um, get rid of all that warm-up stuff and just drop people right into the action. Yeah. So TV is so much like that too. Like when I was at Jerry Springer, exactly that. You want to start with your best guess, Mm -hmm. call her what she is and get right to the action. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and then that's right. Get rid of all the fluff. Um, (laughs) I appreciate that. I try to be like that still. Mm -hmm. I mean, a little, a little get to know you. But like, hey, why are we talking? What about me interested you? Yeah, and that's, that's it. You just you got to keep them going with it. And then if you want to get someone to read your next one, one of the best ways to do and going back to TV, you've got the teaser. After the break, here's what's happening. Exactly. Tease what's going to happen in your next email. Drop in some phrase that you just mm. made up. That um, oh, next week I'm going to tell you how to do this, and or the the one secret formula that will increase your open rates by thirty three percent. Then you follow that up with that next week. So you're baiting them. You're prepping them. That's your tease. And it's leading into uh, into your next email. So you can get people going like that. 
Um, the ultimate goal is to get people to get to the point where your subject line doesn't matter and they're going to open it mm. because you sent it. Mm. You want your send name to be more important than, than subject, subject line. line. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. When did you know you got there? Uh, you're never there. And if you are there, you're only there with your existing audience. You, you always have to do it because new people are getting on your list. They don't know who you are. You're attracting them with something that you just wrote, but you need to keep them interested. And that's where- I have a question about that. Like, I feel like Michaela, for example, continues to tell her story. Mm -hmm. But the people that have been following her for a year and a half, how many of them still want to hear that? So how do you keep it succinct enough, but then for new people, tell enough where if they're not following, they can catch on. You know what I mean? There's sure. a balance there. Yeah. So um, she's not going to lose existing interest, yeah. but then she can continue to bring on new people as well. And this is where a warm-up sequence can come in, where you basically create a drip campaign um, where as soon as you subscribe to the list, you're going to get, say, five or six emails over the course of a month that will tell your story and that will get you on. And as soon as those are done, you're then going to get put into the regular cycle of whatever's coming out. But during that initial trial, that warm-up period, you're probably not going to get the first, the, whatever emails I'm sending out to my regular list. So you have different out. sequences. Mm. Yeah. And this is That's a do smart. as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I write so many for other people that, uh, you know, it's like the, the, the cobbler's, uh, um, the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Yeah, um, yeah. I write so many for other people that I've never actually written my own. <laughs> have, have you uh, found that automation messes up? No, um, it's all pretty good now. It does happen on occasion. And you know what? When it does happen, you just send out an email like, eh, MailChimp screwed up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Technical Sorry. difficulties. Yeah. It wasn't me. No, that, and that's that. what you just said, the mail sending out, oh, MailChimp's screwed up. Or even like, hey, I screwed up. People appreciate that so much more than if you're just like, I'm going to hide and yeah. avoid this. And people won't notice. No. Uh, people notice. Uh, and it's <laughs> it's I, the people that I've screwed up with uh, in the past, when I actually admit it with them, they're like, dude, awesome. And I'll even make a joke about myself like, dude, I'm an idiot or like I'm typical recruiter or like, yeah. just like I'll make a joke of it. And then they're like, oh yeah, no, he's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. One of the best subject lines you could ever send is oops. You know, and <laughs> companies do it all the time. It always gets a super high open rate. Um, mm. But it's like, oh, he screwed up. Let me see what he did. Yeah. You know, and it like, oh good. He screwed up too. He's human. Um, that nice. helps. I've, so, I've yeah, got to, I've got to. Sorry, Embrace go ahead. Your yeah. yeah. Embrace your flaws. I've got a I'm a dad joke connoisseur. Yeah. <laughs> and so I apologize to all the listeners right now. But I've got to I've got to tell a dad joke. I'll, Justin, since you're the guest, I'll I'll do it towards you. Knock knock. Who's there? Britney Spears. Britney Spears who? Knock knock. Who's there? Oops, I did it again. Uh, <laughs> it's horrible i know it's horrible i mean I've, i'm barely getting even a pity laugh but i was like is he gonna pull it off uh, <laughs> no you like can't pull off really hard that, that's the thing about dad jokes is you don't you don't pull them off they're bad they're really yeah. bad uh so there's no pulling them there. off yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what as bad as it is i will be there. using it 
I will be using it tonight on my kids. <laughs> I know. That's the fun thing. Like you can seem, You'll remember it. Yeah. Yeah, you can seem super funny to your kids and that's about <laughs> it. But I want to hear about your 100 headline project. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um so that was a that was um an experiment that I had done where I was struggling to find my own tagline and a mentor that I have uh, her name is Kira Hug. And um, I was actually going to mention her before because you said something on your weird. That's actually one of her taglines. And she's nice. about embracing whatever quirk you have. Um, but she challenged me with uh, creating um, just as many different lines as I could for, for myself, for a tagline, for Pretty Fly Copywriting. And um, I came up with 100. And um, I was on a hot seat call with her in a group. And it just started started uh, spinning a little bit and they're like, you know, you should try to find your voice. See if you can come up with writing a hundred different lines for, for other people. And maybe it's something that you could sell. So by the end of the call, it had evolved into writing a hundred headlines for a hundred different companies in 100 days. And I didn't realize what an undertaking this was. I didn't do any research. I just said, yeah, okay. And I started the next day and, um, it damn near killed me, but I did it. <laughs> um, and I actually wrote a few extra. I wound up with 10,211 lines. Wow. Um, it did take 106 days. I wound up taking breaks. Uh, there's, an op- there's an article on copy hackers uh, where I recounted the whole thing. And the lines are up there. There's anything from um, you know some of my favorite ones. I did something about like funky socks. Uh, and you can use these lines. They are up there. They're not owned um they're up there for public consumption um I, i've got you know funky socks i've got a lawn mowing company i've got a sailing company i've got um i did two posts on five hour energy because i just didn't like them uh i've got the fart candle um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got, that's awesome yes uh my favorite line on that is smells like the color brown smells um, like what <laughs> the color brown <laughs> <laughs> um you know just some some funny things like that and uh, just like grandma used to make is another one that i loved on that one too <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. so they're funny some are ridiculous some are good most of them are awful um you can see flat out out of 100 that i wrote there's anywhere between 10 and 18 of them that i liked um but they're up there they're they're out there for inspiration and i refer back to that almost all the time um, it, it's if you're ever stuck and looking for a headline or anything, you can go and you can take those lines. Um, there are one or two posts where I have asked people not to use the lines because they are written for other people, um, especially the lines that are written for myself. But if you're ever looking for inspiration or how to start an email or just some type of hook, go to the yourself, fart candle. Go to the fart candle. <laughs> yeah, and that's up at uh, that's at theheadlineproject.com, which links over to my website. It's pretty fly copywriting. Um, which is prettyflatcopy.com. And um, yeah, it's all there. That's what put me on the map and um, really taught me how to dive in and learn brand voice and how to speak in a hundred different ways. Do you think that you get more and more comfortable, like the more and more headlines that you wrote, like you just started, you know? You know what? It evolved into where it wasn't just about the headlines. It was just a hundred different ways to phrase value. And I was always amazed at how, how two, um, two topics that were totally different wound up being so similar with the lists at the end, just because I found different themes and different hooks and I was able to pull from previous lists. 
um, and just sort of I found the inspiration and it you know it kind of goes back to full circle with you're taking back from the elements that created you with you know the punk and jock and all those things I'm now pulling from those lists that I wrote during the headline project where I was just doing it to get it done but they've stuck with me and now they influence the writing that I do today beautiful yeah that's awesome I mean I've loved this episode this was like fun it's probably because sean wasn't here we won't tell him <laughs> that uh no but seriously this was like this was fun we got to geek out about stuff i love the fact by the way and i hope you can take this to every single i bet you do just kind of by your personality but i love the fact that you push back on uh where i was like if i start something or i trend something you're like actually let's challenge that i love that not a lot of people do that, especially on a podcast. For some reason, people are like, ooh, podcasts, like, you got to agree <laughs> with everything the guy says, uh, which, like, is not true. I don't know everything, Avi. But, yeah. Justin, thank you so much for, for joining us. Like, this was, this was fun, and I bet a lot of people are going to get a lot from this, and hopefully we can we can get people from uh, not making the Gary Wannabe or the Grant Cardone mistakes like I did. Uh, <laughs> and find their voice this was, this was fun so thanks man if if somebody wanted to connect with you other than on linkedin where, where do you want them to connect with you sure uh i'm on twitter at uh at pretty fly copy and uh my website is prettyflycopy.com and facebook is pretty fly copy beautiful all right there you have it ladies and gentlemen justin again thanks so much thank you